This is The Prime Pod. I'm Robert McLean. It's a tricky time for Central Europe's office sector, especially if you're trying to find assets to buy or if you need to sell a building. Brokers like Stuart Jordan of Savills push back if you try to suggest that the market is dead. It's not, of course. In the first quarter of this year, deals worth 421 million euro went through in the Czech Republic. Still, according to Savills' numbers, that's a 50% drop in volume compared to the five-year Q1 average. I focus with Stuart a lot on the question of price in this conversation, as in the falling prices of commercial property, partly because I was intrigued by a Savills report on the European market for office buildings, because it listed cities where prices have adjusted quickly and those where they haven't. Not surprisingly, Prague did not make the adjusted quickly list. But what Stuart told me is that the issue facing people on both sides of the negotiating table is debt. Not just how much it costs, but how much you can actually borrow and from whom. Still, the fear of recession seems to be receding these days. So what's really holding back the market? Is it more about psychology or does the math simply not work? You're absolutely right. Certainly for investors looking to deploy capital, time is definitely not of the essence at the moment. And I think as a market, our general general trend is we do look for optimism and we, we do look to uh, expect that things will be turned to some level of normality or improve trading conditions quicker rather than later. I think time has told us that we, we generally expect things to turn quicker than they do in reality. I think if we look back to GFC, everybody hoped that market conditions would, would come back much quicker than they did. Of course, it took, took many, many years. But I don't think this is led by psychology. Clearly, there is psychological elements in all of these things, but this is really simple mathematics. And the investment rationale at the moment is quite difficult for people to defend. If you take the office sector, for example, you know, this is really economic-based. Ultimately, the flow of debt into the economy outside of real estate has slowed. It's more difficult to get credit. And of course, that affects companies, that affects occupiers. Um, so when you talk about offices, now the questions are, you know, really where can tenants afford to pay rents? Where are service charges? What's going to happen to energy costs? Um where does this building stand in five years in terms of ESG, in terms of CapEx? Um, tenant incentives have completely changed. Much bigger fit-out costs now and, and much less reliance on, uh, on rent-free periods. So the demands on office buildings um, are becoming much higher. Um, you take that and compare it with uh, yields, which in Central Europe haven't moved out so substantially at the moment. They've moved substantially compared to where we thought they were. Um, but combining people's cost of equity, which has to work harder, and the cost of debt, it's simply very difficult to to make a rationale at the moment that now is the right time to, to, to start putting money back into real estate. So it's a very complex situation, um, but I don't believe it's particularly psychological. I believe it's actually quite simple maths based on economic sentiments. So it's not it's not this fear of missing out, in other words. I mean, there was there was a small part of that. If you look at the UK market, which is very unsentimental um, as a real estate market, and pricing moved out very significantly, very quickly, and we started to see trading again. And there was definitely 
FOMO there for sure. Pricing did move out. People then started to bid. People were missing out on assets and thinking, wow, I've, I've kind of missed the bottom of the market again. But this was a really short period of sort of activity um, towards the end of last year. And now, of course, trading volumes have not have not continued. They have come down. Um, so yes, there is always these psychological sort of epochs within within everything, but I don't think at the moment um, that's really driving it. Clearly, there will be a little bit of that fear of who's going to jump back in first. Um, I think that's always played out in real estate markets, but I think at the moment nobody's really letting that govern their decisions. Now, in the study that Savills put out uh, just a couple of weeks ago on the European office markets, the study seems to come down on the side of sellers not accepting reality, or at least that time is on the side of the buyers. Are the buyers betting or are they hoping that rates will come down soon and that this will kickstart the market? No, I don't. I mean, I think the general consensus is that rates will not come down, uh, certainly in the short term, and that they probably won't come down significantly in, in the medium term. There was a, there was a recent survey by um, CREFCE recently, the, the lending sector, their sentiment survey, and, and the outlook was still negative. So we don't expect those, those rates to come down. But, but we should talk about debt in a much more general term. We all get fixed on interest rates. This is a much more complex situation now with lending. Um, yeah, we've got a higher cost of debt, but we've also got lower LTVs. The banks are looking to manage their own downside risk, and so LTVs are coming down. And I think that's by a if you look at Europe last year, I think on new finance, that's about 10%. So we could probably say LTVs on average have come down from 60 to 50% per se. So we have this double whammy of this higher cost of debt and lower LTVs, but then valuations are also coming down. So suddenly we've got this triple whammy potentially. Um, and, you know, really this lower availability of debt potentially leads to this concept of of a debt funding gap, which we're all terrified of. And that's the real sentiment, I think, within the commercial real estate market. Not that rates will come down short, medium or long term, but going forward, debt is going to be more expensive, harder to get, <clears throat> and at lower LTVs than it has been previously. And by harder to get, that's it's also possible that that could mean impossible to get, uh, depending on the building, I, I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's... Yes, there will be assets out there that will just not be uh, funded by typical um, real estate banks and, and will fall into slightly more um, opportunistic mezzanine type situations, I'm sure. And of course, the cost of that is, is significantly higher, um, which of course then feeds back into the whole rationale of um, you know, what do I do if, if debt financing is coming up? Um, and certainly where I'm being, where, where borrowers are being asked to put more equity back into assets, will they do it? And I think that's the really big question. And uh, there's some quite interesting data that came out of out of uh, the US and there's certain North American institutions where they've actively said, you know, we will default on office portfolios if they're substandard. That then takes it into a completely different realm of talking about reinvesting into older buildings, ESG. You know, will investors put more money into those assets in terms of debt to, to, to bridge that gap? But then also a second thing to keep these buildings competitive, um, to keep their energy performance there. And the likelihood is that they probably won't. Certainly some of them won't. 
But what was really interesting that came out of that research was that those similar institutions are still raising new money for real estate, which tells you that the sentiment hasn't gone about investing into real estate, but it has gone about investing into specific types of real estate. Might it also mean that they're assuming others will default and that there are opportunities that are coming? Yes, definitely. Um, but who, who fills that gap? So great, you, you get a funding default on, on office portfolios, but who comes in to take on those portfolios? Because if you really can't finance them, then these become heavily equity deals and the cost, the opportunistic cost of that equity is very, very high. And it has to be high because all of the risks that are associated with it. So you know, in that specific uh, instance, you're talking about a lack of equity, certainly a lack of debt. Um, so where is liquidity and of course therefore where is pricing and therefore you will, really will see I'm sure in certain instances some very heavy uh, movement on pricing. Because eventually a price is found. Whatever it, whatever that happens to be, whatever type of fire sale potentially, if it, if it goes that way. Yeah, I think so. And I mean I digress to talking about the US because we see such big risks in the US office market, lack of return to work, heavily IT exposed. And I think the European market is much more stable than that, and we see much more positive outlook than that. But certainly there will be elements like there is in, in any changing cycle where, yes, there will be events which will, which will force the hand of some sellers. Okay, well, coming back to Europe then, I mean, if rates are at about, what, 3.45, I think, right now, uh, I mean, if you're doing the math, it's, I realize it's not as simple as simply, well, the European bank has raised rates by, what, 25 3% uh, in, in the last year or so. Uh, therefore, that's how much prime yields are going to go up. But on some level, you can't escape that, that sort of math either, can you? No, for sure. Uh, I mean, clearly not that simple and clearly, you know, we can't rule out where we have equity buyers, of course, and people use debt to different different extents with different leverage. Um, some people, really, some investors specifically, are not so focused on, um, on margins, but of course on other terms as well, depending on how their funds and, and their investment vehicles are structured. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a simple economic input to the mathematical equation of yields and returns. And of course, it, it has to have an effect. Um, you know, now people are kind of talking that you know, the cheapest financing you can get is, is 5% with, with margin and costs. The reality is where there's good existing loan conditions at much lower margins, we've seen that the that lending institutions are open to um, early renegotiations of those contracts and going in at blended rates. So still possible to kind of find an arbitrage between your current debt terms and your future open market debt terms and to try and build something in longer term and within the middle. Um, but, but yields just, you know, one simple part of that equation. What's happening with rents? Of course, we, we've seen you know, a huge uptick in rents as construction has slowed, as inflation has come through. Um, so that's the other part of the equation. And I think now when we're looking at, you know, office value analysis, we were all coming back to the same common denominator, which is capital value. And, you know, can I build for this? Can I acquire the land? Can I? put some development risk into that and therefore is there value in this and a lot of the case uh, a lot of the times you're looking at, at assets that you know, probably on a yield basis look below replacement costs and I think that's giving people at least the confidence in yeah I'm not going to lose my shirt on this asset but then then coming back to the second stage of okay what how do I really manage this asset and can I ensure occupancy can I deliver cash flow to banks 
when I talk with investors and say that the agency reports valuations are X, uh, they often say, I'm not really reading the agency reports at the moment uh, in terms of the valuations specifically. On the other hand, I found the one you guys just put out at Savills quite interesting. Do I understand this correctly as a way for you uh, to, differentiate, uh, to differentiate between values and fair prices? Where do, what, is, what are you trying to achieve with that study? Yeah, exactly. It's it's trying to be a little bit forward-looking by really taking data, you know, hard data inputs across European geographies and, and analyze them in terms of, I'm an investor, where should I put my cash? And yes, you have specific funds, you have domestic funds in, in lots of European, uh, Central European countries you know, that will stay within country or that will go into the region. Um, but if we look, if we talk about that sort of uh, top-down institutional cash, that's always been um, something that moves around geographically. So as an advisory house, sellers has to be able to say fairly to clients, where should you put that cash? And, and ultimately, yes, some of those markets, that they, they don't seem to be at a value point yet compared to others. But this is, this is very simple investment rationale. Uh, you know, if, if I'm getting a higher cost of debt in Central Europe compared to Western European markets, if those Western European markets have tended to price reprice um, a little bit quicker, then the equity in the debt piece is kind of looks more uh, fair, as we're saying. Um, so then it comes back to those occupational markets and where do I believe? So yes, it's actually you know a very valuable tool for for making rationales for investing in different in different assets. And without that, uh, very difficult um, as an investment house to go to investors and tell them they should look at specific opportunities um, without the backdrop of what's ha- what's happening in other in other locations. The typical question is, well, when will the market come back? Is that the wrong question? The market's not going to come back the way it was in 2019. We're, we're emerging into something different. I'm just curious, like, what do you think the more interesting question uh, that should be asked? I guess it's what, what opportunities should I be looking at? Because, you know, what do we mean when we say the market comes back? What, that everybody starts you know, deploying huge amounts of capital again? Well, that's not a good investor <laughs> rationale that everybody else is spending, so we shall spend as well. I think it's really looking inward about um, what your funds or what your investment rationale is and what you're set up to do, and then trying to find those opportunities that that work for that. So, as I said, we, you know, we do see so we do see transactional activity, but it's very specific to um, funds that might need to geographically deploy to a certain territory that might be heavily overweight in office or, or other sectors that need some diversification. From that point of view, it might be a fund that's coming up to you know the end of its investment period and, and needs to push that put that put that cash out. So, um, I think the question is. How do I access opportunities that work for me um, as opposed to when will the market come back? Because that's a question absolutely none of us can answer.